Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Fusion Church, so great seeing everyone, or at least seeing your names here on Zoom. Uh, if you're watching on the podcast, uh, so grateful for you to be listening and tuning into the Word of God this morning. Um, I truly believe when we open up the Bible and open up the words of Jesus that he speaks, and I'm so excited for him to speak to each and every one of us today. So we're going to be in Numbers chapter 33 today. Uh, I'm going to be reading from the CSB, it's Christian Standard Bible. So uh, as we're diving in and going through this, our incredible Zoom people, if a verse sticks out to you, I'd love for you to just drop it in the chat. Uh, I'll see if I can touch on it a little bit while we're talking. Uh, but this is such a great chapter. Um, it's a lot of review, right? I mean, a good amount of, let's say, numbers, different pieces are just review. However, this chapter is great, just kind of remembering the journeys of Israel inside of the wilderness. So I'm going to pray and let's dive in. Father, thank you for each and every person that is tuning in today that wants to hear from you, that wants to go just a little bit further and wants to push a little bit deeper and wants to know a little bit more about you. So God, I just pray today, uh, show us who you are. Uh, ultimately, we know your nature, your heart is uh, what helps us grow. And when we see you so clearly, God, uh, we know who we're clinging to. So Holy Spirit, I just pray, do what you do best and reveal Jesus clearly. And we pray this and ask this in your son Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Well, I hope everyone's doing well today. Let's stretch it out a little bit. Uh, I got to get some rust off myself. So get a little stretch and then we're going to be diving in because we are all gas and no brakes. So once we're in, we're in. <laughs> all right. Go on. Uh, Numbers 33, verse 1. It says, these were the stages of the Israelites' journey when they went out of the land of Egypt by their military divisions under the leadership of Moses and Aaron. At the Lord's command, Moses wrote down the starting points for the stages of their journey. These are the stages listed by their starting points. They traveled from Ramses in the first month on the 15th day of the first month. On the day after the Passover, the Israelites went out defiantly in the sight of all the Egyptians. Meanwhile, the Egyptians were burying every firstborn male the Lord had struck down among them, for the Lord had executed judgment against their gods. The Israelites traveled from Ramses and camped at Succoth. They traveled from Succoth and camped at Etham, which is on the edge of the wilderness. By the way, I'm going to apologize uh, partially, <laughs> right before we dive into all the names. Uh, I'm going to get maybe like, you know, 50% of them right. So give me grace. <laughs> uh, they traveled from Etham. Turn back to uh, Piharoth, which faces Baal Zephnon, and camp before uh, Migdal. They travel from Piharoth and cross through the middle of the sea into the wilderness. They took a three day journey into the wilderness of Etham and camped at Marah. They traveled from Marah and came to Elam. There were 12 springs and 70 date palms at Elam, so they camped there. They traveled from Elam and camped by the Red Sea. 
They traveled from the Red Sea and camped in the wilderness of Sin. They traveled from the wilderness of Sin and camped in Dopkah. They traveled from Dopkah and camped at Alush. They traveled from Alush and camped at Rephidim, where there was no water for the people to drink. They traveled from Rephidim and camped in the wilderness of Sinai. They traveled from the wilderness of Sinai, camped at Kibroth Hadavah. They traveled from Kibroth Hadavah and camped at Hazaroth. They traveled from Hazaroth, camped at Rithmah. They traveled from Rithmah and camped at Ramon Perez. They traveled from Ramon Perez and camped at Libna. They traveled from Libna and camped at Rissa. They traveled from Rissa and camped at Kihloth. They traveled from Kihloth and camped at Mount Shafar. They traveled from Mount Shafar and camped at Harada. They traveled from Harada and camped at Makaloth. They traveled from Makaloth and camped at Dahath. They traveled from Dahath and camped at Terah. They traveled from Terah and camped at Mithka. They traveled from Mithka and camped at Heshmanah. They traveled from Heshmanah and camped at Masroth. They traveled from Masroth and camped at Benajakin. They traveled from Benajakin and uh, camped at Hor Hagagad. They traveled from Hor Hagagad and camped at Jabatha. They traveled from Jabatha and camped at Abrana. They traveled from Abrana and camped at Zion Geber. They traveled from Zion Geber and camped in the wilderness of Zin, that is Kadesh. They traveled from Kadesh and camped at Mount Hor on the edge of the land of Edom. At the Lord's command, the priest Aaron climbed Mount Hor and died there on the first day of the 15th month in the 14th year after the Israelites went out of the land of Egypt. Aaron was 123 years old when he died on Mount Hor. At that time, the Canaan king of Arad, who lived in the Negev in the land of Canaan, heard the Israelites were coming. You guys thought you escaped the whole area where I said they traveled. We're back. <laughs> they traveled from Mount Hor and camped at Zalmanah. They traveled from Zalmanah and camped at Punan. Uh, they traveled from uh, uh, Punan and camped at Oboth. They traveled from Oboth and camped at Ai Abriam on the uh, border of Moab. They traveled from Eam and camped at Dibon Gad. They traveled from Dibon Gad and camped at Almon Diblathium. After they traveled from Amon Diblathium, they camped in the Arabim uh, range facing Nebo. They traveled from Arabim range and camped on the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho. They camped by the Jordan from uh, Beth Jismoth uh, to the Acacia Meadow on the plains of Moab. <sighs> kind of take a deep breath, right? Okay. Verse 50. The Lord spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho. Tell the Israelites, when you cross the Jordan into the land of Canaan, you must drive out all the inhabitants of the land before you. Destroy all their stone images and cast images and demolish all their high places. You are to take possession of the land and settle it in it because I've given you the land to possess. You are to receive the land as an inheritance by uh, lot according to the, your clans. Increase the inheritance for a large clan and decrease it for a small one. Whatever place the lot indicates for someone will be his. You'll receive an inheritance according to your ancestral tribes. But 
If you don't drive out the inhabitants of the land before you, those you allow to remain will become barbs for your eyes and thorns for your sides. They will harass you in the land where you live. And what I had planned to do to them, I will do to you. So good. All right. Good job, everybody. You made it through their travels. (laughs) And I know sometimes it's like, oh, geez, man, Uh, they're still traveling, huh? Um, I just want to share with you because I know chapters like this sometimes um, I'm going to I'm going to word it like this. Right. Chapters like this at times, church uh, can be very easy to want to skip. Right. Because you can get like maybe three or four travels in, right? All right, they traveled and camped. They traveled and camped. Oh, wait, what a surprise. They traveled and camped, right? Um, I know so many times it'd be easy to skip. It's like the uh, uh, genealogies, right? Like we can get like four genealogies in and it's like, listen, I don't know their auntie and I don't know their uncle. <laughs> and you might want, you'll be tempted to skip, right? Uh, I just want to encourage you. There is gold inside of the genealogies. Right. And there's goals in the traveling camp, you know, so I really want to encourage you in that. Like, don't just uh, skip over because it's very tempting to skip a chapter like number 33 and there's pure gold inside of it. So we're going to unpack it today. Look at some of this gold because everything inside of the Bible is God's word. He has inspired it. He wrote it himself by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he did it for each and every one of us to learn his nature and learn about ourselves and hopefully, God willing, apply it so we don't make some of the mistakes of others, but also can walk in the blessings that God intended others to walk into. So we are going to start in verse one and break it down bit by bit. So verse one says, these were the stages of the Israelites journey when they went out of the land of Egypt. So the stages of the Israelites journey. Uh, There's another way of just kind of looking at stages as you kind of, let's say, take the uh, aerial viewpoint and look over the lifetime of the Israelites uh, in this day. Uh, And just kind of the steps that they're taking, right? So the steps go from, hey, they're getting delivered out of Egypt. Uh, What does it say? They went out defiantly in the sight of the Egyptians. Um, there's a couple of different ways they were a little bit defiant, let's say. They were defiant uh, against the Egyptians just to get out of the land. But they were also pretty defiant against God, if you think about it. So when they were in the land of Egypt, uh, the Lord was the one saying, hey, I'm going to deliver you guys. Hey, I'm going to get you out of here. I've sent Moses to go ahead and speak to Pharaoh, uh, Moses and Aaron, and they're going to be the ones to pioneer you out of out of Egypt and into the promised land. If you remember kind of how the whole uh, narrative went down, they started to complain in the middle of their deliverance, right? Because uh, the Egyptians were upset at at, uh, Moses and Aaron stirring up the wrath and hand of Pharaoh. And they said, hey, could you just leave us alone? (laughs) Like at one point, like, can you can you stop this whole like let my people go thing for half a second? So we can go ahead and just get our slavery thing like under wraps. Uh, and yet while God was trying to deliver them, they were sitting there kind of just in their own sin and in their own bondage saying, no, nah, I'm going to stay here. They left defiantly in a way, right? There was an essence of defiance in them against the Lord. However, God was still good and God was still faithful to uh, his promise to them in spite of their defiance. And that is so that honestly, like that kind of, I'd say, uh, uh, covers over the wilderness journey for the most part. Right. God was faithful to the defiance of the Israelites, 
in spite of them and still wants to fulfill his promises. You know, their journey inside of the wilderness was supposed to be extremely short, church. They, uh, God did not uh, intend to bring them through the wilderness for uh, 40 years, by the way. It was meant to be a really short journey. Uh, his goal was to bring them directly to the promised land. Uh, however, like so many of us, in their steps, in their stages of their deliverance, right? In their stages of going into the promises God made for them, uh, there's something that kind of came to light. The mindsets that they had were not ready to yet receive the promises that God had, right? Many times God has to go ahead and uh, rewire our mind so we can receive the blessings that he has for us, right? Because truth be told, if let's say God had a million dollars for you, right? The Lord said, I want to give you a financial blessing so you can walk in the spiritual gift of giving, right? Kind of excites me a little bit. I would say, yes, Lord, <laughs> right? Uh, and all of a sudden, God wants to bless us with this. Um, uh, he would have to go ahead and sanctify us, change our minds, rewire our minds around uh, from being, let's say, greedy to being generous, right? I have to go from a greed mindset to a giving mindset. And their wilderness journey was a lot of rewiring the mind from what was to what is supposed to be, you know, because they went from being victims to being victors. Think about it. They left this place in defiance. I would never leave my place of slavery, like my place of bondage for so many years in any form of defiance against God, or at least I hope I wouldn't. My first thought would be get me out of here, <laughs> right? How many of us have been in seasons where we're like, God, I'm ready for this to be done. If we can expedite this just a little bit, I'd be so grateful, <laughs> right? Uh, I think I can account like 10 of them, correct? Um, uh, however, what God is saying is, hey, it's not even so much about what's happening. It's more about your mindset. God wants to change the way we think and change the, our lives through the way we think. And I always love saying this quote, uh, your life will go in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And God wanted to rewire the minds of the Israelites so that they could receive the blessing God had for them and their lives could go in the direction of the renewed mind that he was giving them. But the stages, the in-between, the steps is where the magic happens, right? I think we can all account for the steps of our own journey because uh, in the steps, God says, hey, if you just acknowledge me, I'll make your path straight. And just in case... Uh, uh, we got lost in the names a little bit because I was reading it and I got a little lost in the names. So listen, if you were kind of like zoning out as I was butchering all the names of those places, no worries. It's all good. Uh, but I just want you to notice something. A lot of these names started to get a little repetitive because as you're reading it or hearing me read it, it's like, huh, I think I heard that one before. And you start looking back and say, okay, this was up here. That was over there. Think about this. Their uh, journey that was meant to be a straight path from Egypt to the promised land turned into circles and they start traveling in circles. And I've shared this, uh, let's say this message or kind of this concept a few times, you know, it's really important to find out when you're in your process of sanctification, or as it kind of says here, right, the stages of the Israelites journey, or let's say the stages of your journey, Christ follower, uh, as you're looking at those stages, am I in a season or am I in a cycle? Because the wilderness was meant to be a season for the Israelites, right? The wilderness we can track down and look at as that season of life, that time period where God is going ahead and working out all the stuff. Oh, he wants me to trust him. He wants to kill my pride. 
right? He wants me to crush my ego so I can look to him as Lord, right? We can all track into the wilderness season where God says, I don't want you to live on the hands of man. I don't want you to live by the systems of man. I want you to totally and completely depend on me. And the wilderness for them was not meant to be a cycle. It was just meant to be a season. And the idea is I go from Egypt and I go to the promised land. However, because of their own defiance, right? The same thing that they left Egypt with, they kept that defiance all throughout the wilderness. And because they did, their season turned into a cycle. God will bring you through a lot of the same seasons, right? In your cycle, because he's still trying to work a lot of the same stuff out of us. And what I mean by that is, uh, there's this, <laughs> there's this old saying, don't pray for patience <laughs> unless you're willing to receive situations that will test your patience. And the church said, amen, <laughs> because oh my goodness, how many times the Lord, I just want to look more like you. And then he brings me through situations that he went through. On his way to the cross, now obviously I don't mean physical abuse, but what I mean is, let's say, opportunities to raise my voice or lift my voice when yet he was quiet before man and let the truth stand on its own, right? How many times have I said, God, I want to be, uh, be crafted more inside of your images or in your image, not images, uh, and I want to look like you, Jesus. And in the meantime, on the way there, he starts bringing some really difficult situations to turn me into his image, Right. This is what's happening inside of the wilderness journey. Now, one thing I want us to kind of like think about the wilderness journey is all about sanctification, right? It's all about process. So when we look at the idea of process and God processing us, so many times it can get discouraging for some, or some can start to wear shame because of, uh, hey, I thought I'd be further along. Hey, I thought it'd be different by now. Or I never thought I'd still be dealing with this sin or this X or this attribute, this anger. I really thought this attitude would be gone by this point in my, of my walk as a Christ follower. Hear me. Um, for so many of us, it's not even a matter of, oh, uh, I wish it was like, I want to free you from some shame possibly today. Uh, you are in the process of Jesus. And it's up to him to work out of you what he wants to work out of you when he wants to work it out of you. You know, so many of us will start to say, man, I can't believe I still slip up and some of that stuff comes out of my mouth here and there. Hear me. We, of course, want to be a holy church. We want to be a purified church without blemish. Right. But at the same time, we're still in process. And I'm not going to sit here and look at God and say, God, I need you to process this out of me. No, I'm going to say, hey, I'm the clay. You're the potter. You're the one that crafts me. I'm just going to sit here and let you craft me the way that you see best. Right, church? So this is what's happening throughout the stages of Israel. They're the clay. He's the potter. Now, let him process us to get all the rough stuff out. Right? I had a mentor once. I, I love this guy. Um, every time I talk to him, uh, we, we hop on the phone maybe like once every few months. And I have to like carve out two hours on my calendar if I'm ever going to call him because I love him. Uh, but he will give me straight gold over the phone for two hours straight. I've never met anyone that knows the Bible like this man. Uh, he's just in love with the word of God, has studied every detail. And he would take verse 19, where they traveled from Rithma and camped at Ramon Perez and turn it into a two-hour sermon. He's incredible. Now, I hopped on the phone with him one day, 
And I was just sharing with them, let's just say some difficulties I was having uh, early on in ministry. I think it was like my first year or two. And I was just getting frustrated. Um, you know, I had two people that just w- like they <laughs> they just stood at odds every time they entered a room together. <laughs> and I was like, all right, come on, <laughs> like, guys, please, like you have me in this cycle with you at this point. And I'm over it. <laughs> like every time you guys get in a room, it's like we're just trying to plan uh, a, a fun fellowship dinner for the church. And it's like you guys are arg- arguing over tablecloth color uh, colors. I'm making an executive decision. It's black. <laughs> like, like, can we please just get along, you know? And I was complaining to him the one day and he brought up the building of the temple out of the Bible. And he said, yeah, you know, as a pastor or just as a Christ follower, when God is building the temple of who you are or he's building the temple temple of his corporate church, right? Or fusion church, there are going to be many different blocks that come from many different places that have to go through different processes to all be laid in the same temple. And I said, that's really smooth. Thank you so much. Can you make it practical for me? Uh, <laughs> I was like, say, say, say it for me who doesn't understand so quickly. And uh, this guy was so incredible. And he was so patient. I mean, it, church, it's like a two-hour phone call. This guy broke down uh, the building of the temple. And he said, yeah, when they were getting the blocks to build the temple, they obviously got the cornerstone. And he was like, and we can look at this. This is Christ, our cornerstone, right? Um, if you've been in church, let's say maybe through like the uh, uh, late 90s, early 2000s, you'll remember uh, the song Cornerstone, right? Amazing worship song. And uh, it's it's all about Jesus being the cornerstone of the faith. Now, what would happen is in the building of the temple, they would get that cornerstone, bring the other stones, and they'll grab a chisel. And they would chisel out the other stones to the shape and size of the cornerstone. So the idea was every block in the temple would look like the cornerstone, right? Just like us, the church, the cornerstone is Jesus. We are the blocks. We get put next to the standard of Jesus. Hear me, the standard of Jesus, not the standard of a pastor. Ooh, (laughs) not the standard of our connect group leader. While we love them, we're here to be made in the image of Jesus. So the block gets put next to the cornerstone, Jesus, and it gets chiseled. And uh, uh, I don't know about you, I can recall the times God chiseled me a little bit hard. Um, I remember when the edge came off. Uh, I remember when the bad attitude got knocked off like a hammer and a piece of metal, (laughs) right? I remember. (laughs) I still carry the limp from it, and right? And they would bang that piece off. And uh, they would also grab a piece of sandpaper uh, or sandpaper. We would equate it to sandpaper and sand it to make it nice and smooth. And then once it looked like the cornerstone, they would take that block and then move it up and place it where it needed to be for the temple. Now, here's the thing. Those stones, they all would come out differently. And it's so bizarre. I, this is the part that rocked me. Some stones were nice and soft. You would get the chisel and the hammer and you'd be able to chisel pieces off. Other stones were a little more difficult. And the only way to break off the hard, rough edges and make it fit the image of the cornerstone or the size of the cornerstone was to grab two blocks and beat them against each other. And you would have one block and you'd just be grinding them both over and over and over because the chisel wasn't going to get it done. Your sandpaper wasn't going to get it done. It was only from the friction between the two blocks that those blocks would be made into the image of the cornerstone. Hear me. You may be in your place of work. You may have that friend 
you may have uh, uh, maybe even that family member, or for some of us, maybe even that spouse, <laughs> that we are like, Lord, they're driving me insane. <laughs> God, I don't know how much longer I have, <laughs> right? My last nerve is holding on by a thread. Hear me. Uh, <clears throat> God is using them in the friction right? In the friction of rubbing them against each other, beating them against each other to make both of you into the image of Jesus. I didn't realize it back then because, right, the thing that gave birth to this lesson was I had two people in church that couldn't stop fighting. And I was like, y'all, come on, get it together. <laughs> like, like, please, for me, this is driving me crazy. I can't imagine how you feel uh, in the image of G, right? In the stages of life that we're in, you might be in a stage where that coworker is driving you insane. And you're like, God, please take them to a new job. <laughs> like God, please like get them out of here. You said we won't be tempted past what we can handle. And there's always a way out. The only way out I see <laughs> is if you get them out of my place of work. Right. And uh, if we're real to ourselves today, sometimes for some of us, that might be our neighbor, right. Uh, that won't stop playing music until midnight, ridiculously loud, or they choose maybe 2am to mow their lawn. Lord help us. Right. Think about this. God is using them to make you into the image of Jesus. And here's what happens. Uh, God reveals something to you in that process. If uh, those who anger you or those who uh, take you to a place that doesn't look like Jesus, uh, when that starts to happen, it lets you know um, this is still, uh, still something that's controlled my life. And God wants to use you as a block to build his temple, right? Uh, this is something that kind of freed me one day because it kind of brought this realization. Um, those who anger you are those who control you, right? Those who, uh, uh, bring me to a place of impatience are the ones who control me. And God, the Holy spirit is the only one who wants to control us. So if he's the one that wants to be in the driver's seat, then I have to take a step back and say, all right, this building block next to me, while it drives me insane, right? For our dream teamers, this building block next to me, even though it drives me crazy, <laughs> When we have to serve together, please stop scheduling us on the same day, right? Uh, this one building block is getting on my last nerve. However, it's that building block that makes you into the image of Jesus, right? We have a decision. Do we want to be in a season or do we want to be in a cycle? The cycle says, God, do something with them. The season says, God, do something with me, right? Does that make sense? Cycle says, God, change them. Season says, God, change me to be more like you so I can love them like you love them, right? And this is like the process and stages of the Israelites. They're inside of the wilderness. They're in the desert. And God is working out of them what does not belong. And this goes through all their travels, all their journeys that are so very meticulous. Um, I want to jump, right? So turn the page. <laughs> uh, jump to verse 50, uh, what is this? 52, I believe. Yeah, 52. So that's just like the stages. And the reason I'm kind of skipping through, you know, verses, uh, what is this? Three through 49 is all about their travels. Uh, each one kind of holds that significant like, resemblance, right? Each one has a different story behind it where they had no water. God provided from a rock, right? Uh, the beauties of their journeys. If you have not read, let's say, just say in detail, uh, uh, the wilderness journeys of Israel, I so strongly encourage you just go back and read it. You know, like what is this 50 or, you know, less than 50 verses doesn't give it justice. You know, go back and dive into that. It's so rich with wisdom that God wants to impart to us. So 
uh, verse 52, you must drive out all the inhabitants of the land before you, destroy the stone images and cast images, demolish all their high places. Whew, that's kind of intense. All of them. So God right here, uh, when we're looking at this, basically saying, hey, when you go in to occupy the promised land, the promises that I made for you, I need you to do something for me. You need to go in and destroy all idolatry that's sitting there. Hear me. If something's an idol inside of your life, uh, we don't keep it for a little bit. We don't say, hey, you can hang out inside of the spare room. You know, uh, you don't just get to live in the nooks and crannies of my heart. Idols really only have one place to go, church, and that is directly in the trash, right? And the beautiful part is waste management picks up weekly, praise God. You know, so uh, when we have something in our life that stands even in competition with Jesus, hear me, it's got to go. For some of us, it might be like a workaholic spirit, right? For some of us, uh, it, it might be a person in our life that we're holding in a regard that we're not supposed to right? What we need is God to purify our hearts, take things out of our lives. What's to say? All those idols, stone images, cast images. What he's saying is, I don't care what it looks like. <laughs> I don't care what the material is, right? I, I don't care if it's pretty. I don't care if it's shiny. The idol goes. And he goes on, he says, and demolish all the high places. The high places are places of worship for uh, the, let's say, the idolatrous uh, religions or belief systems that they had of that day. What Jesus is saying is, hey, don't take worship from me and give it to someone else. God is teaching them not to steal from him, right? That's kind of one of the concepts of the tithe, but this also goes into our worship. What he's saying is all those high places that they are going and worshiping at, you need to take them down so you're not even tempted to steal worship that belongs to me. First, you bring your worship to me and take all the rest of these out of the way. What he's showing them is there's meant to be no compromise inside of their lives. And hear me, church, this is probably the same message to us today. God, we do not want to have compromise inside of our lives. Uh, compromise is when we say, hey, this is going to be okay. I am going ahead and making the rules for my life. And uh, who cares? It's just a little bit. Hear me. God wants no compromise inside of our lives where we're saying, ah, eh, maybe. Maybe I'll just skip that chapter, right? Maybe I, I'm not going to get anything out of the genealogy anyway, right? From the beginning, hear me. God wants no compromise in us. He wants us to embrace fully who he is. And he doesn't want a compromise of sin in our life either. So when we say, God, uh, uh, you know, I'm good with what you're telling me to do here, but not over here. I am compromising on the call of God and the purity of God, right? Um, and I have a little one-liner for you because I love to try and give out one-liners, make it sticky. When we allow compromise and we allow little bits of sin in our life, what we're doing is, is giving place to the enemy inside of our life. And you never give the devil a ride because he will always want to drive. Never give the devil a ride because he will always want to drive. If you let him in the car, if you compromise, let in a little bit. I'm going to tell you, sin, right? You can see it's the New Testament. Leaven works its way throughout the whole bread. There's no way leaven will not break its way out into all the rest of the bread. And it's just like it was in Numbers 32. You know, if you studied our number, our, our soap yesterday, uh, sin will always find you out. 
it will always have a way of coming to the surface. It will always have a way of coming out. Like Jesus is the light and he shines his light everywhere. And here's the thing, when he shines his light into my life and those different nooks and crannies in my heart, and I see, ooh, I still have a little bit of sin in there, but I still have a little bit of something, something. Uh, we want no compromise. We don't want to sit there and say, this is okay, I'll leave it, right? This is my treasured sin I'm hiding in the background. No, if you give the devil a ride, he's going to want to drive. And he's going to want that thing, that whatever, that wants to have control over you to take the driver's seat in your life. And hear me, the only one that wants to be the driver in your life is Jesus. God wants to be the one to put the right, hit the gas, hit the brake, pull the e-brake, turn your left, turn your right. Because here's what I know. The enemy will always try and derail me when God is trying to have me prevail over that sin. So no compromise, drive out, destroy the idols, demolish the high places. Now, right after that, verse 53, God says, you are to take possession of the land and settle in it because I've given you the land to possess. I can I tell you, this verse is so very encouraging to me because God had told the Israelites the land belonged to them so many times. It lets me know uh, that I'm not the only thick-headed person in the world, right? It lets me know that I'm not the only hard-headed one in the room because God said this to them so many times and said, hey, the land, it's still yours. And what he was confronting is, is discouragement and unbelief inside of the hearts of the Israelites because they went into the land as spies saw what it looked like, saw that the people were giants in their own eyes, right? Uh, truth be told, if you know the verse I'm talking about, when it said they're giants inside of their own eyes, uh, they saw them as giants, right? The giants, quote unquote, giants didn't look at the Israelites and say, you guys are grasshoppers, right? You guys are tiny. They saw themselves as grasshoppers in their eyes. It was an identity issue more than a reality issue, right? Uh this fear that was taking hold of them, God was dealing with it by reminding them, hey, I gave you the land. They aren't giving you the land. I'm giving you the land. We can view everything in our life like this, right? God doesn't give, or excuse me, my boss doesn't give me my paycheck. God gives me my paycheck. I don't live off of the systems of the world. I live off of the graciousness, the mercy of heaven, right? Then verse 54, you are to receive the land as an inheritance by lot, according to your clans. God wants us to receive the inheritance, right? That doesn't mean I work for it. I don't strive for it. I receive it. God has so many promises, pieces of the promised land for each and every one of us. But many times we think we have to fight for it or make it happen. What God says is you don't have to fight for it. You don't have to try and make something happen. All you have to do is receive my promises. What they came to discover was when they went into the promised land, so long as they were obeying the Lord, following him closely, the enemies in front of them would be scattered before them and they wouldn't even have to fight, right? All they had to do was receive the promises. This is the same thing with each and every one of us. You know, we may have that coworker, <laughs> right? Lord, they're driving me crazy. But imagine, receive the promise that the Lord wants their soul to right? All we have to do is follow the Lord closely and obey what he tells us to do. And then it closes out right here. But if you don't drive them out, uh-oh, if you don't drive out the inhabitants of the land before you, those you allow to remain will become barbs for your eyes and thorns for your side. They will harass you in the land where you live. Uh, this is like death by a thousand cuts, <laughs> right? 
Uh, they said they will harass you. They'll drive you crazy. Uh, and then after a while, what's going to happen is, and what I have planned to do to them, I will do to you. Understand that the Lord really wanted them to, let's say, relieve these people from their land, right? To drive them out because it was land that already belonged to God. And the Lord was saying, hey, this area needs to be worshipped by me, right? This land belongs to me. Temples will be set up here. And I'm doing a work bigger than us anyway. God wants us to remove those sins, those, let's say, uh, little things that are already barbs to us, already thorns for us, because it's for our good anyway, right? As we go through our process, as we go through our stage, as we go through the sanctification, the building of the temple within me, right? Uh, as me as the temple of the Holy Spirit, and as I'm joining the co uh, corporate capital C church in the building of the church here in the world, uh, I want those rough edges, the thorns and the barbs to be taken care of so that they are not bothering me, right? Notice this. God's eye was not getting bothered by a barb. His side was not enduring a thorn, right? This was that that's all when Jesus was on the earth. But in this little time period, this passage, he wouldn't be the one going through it. What did he say? These are barbs for your eyes. They're thorns for your side. They're going to be your problem. <laughs> They're going to hurt you if you keep them there. What he's saying is, hey, deal with it swift, deal with it quickly. Drive out the idolatry. Get the stuff out of your life because sin is going to take you further than you ever want to go and keep you longer than you ever want to stay, right? It's going to take us to places we never imagined we'd ever step foot in. And it's not always the, honestly, not always, it's always not the best, right? So God wants us to be relieved of the sin inside of our life so we can receive the promises of his life. Amen, church. So good. So don't be discouraged wherever you're at inside of your process, your stage of sanctification, because ultimately it's Jesus's process. All he's asking for, this is the beautiful thing about our relationship with God. All he ever asks us for is our yes. He just says, will you acknowledge me in every step that you take? And I will make your path straight. Amen. All right, come on. Let's dive in. Let's pray. God, thank you for each and every individual that is diving deeper today. God, we know we are inside of your process, Lord. And I just pray you would reveal to us uh, if there's any of us that are stuck inside of cycles right now, rather than being in a season. Lord, I just pray, show us what cycle we're in so we can partner with you to break out of it. And Holy Spirit, I just pray you would speak to each and every one of us, show us how we be could become more like you and show us how to partner with the work you're doing inside of our heart. And we give you the first place. What that means is if there's any idols or any high places that we've set up around us, whether for some of us, the high place might be our ESPN package. Come on, somebody, right? Those places of worship might be the, the stuff we're holding on to that you asked us to get rid of. God, I just pray you would give us the grace and boldness to do what you commanded the Israelites to do and drive the idols out. God, I thank you for everything you're doing inside of our hearts and lives. And I would just pray, bless us today in Jesus name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. All right, so good. Church, bless you. Have an amazing Friday.